0: Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have more money, to have all the money you needed? Uh, I read recently this quote, having more money doesn't make you happier. I have $50 million and I'm just as happy as when I had 48 million. That's from that great philosopher, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, Jesus talked about money a lot in the Bible. And today we're in Luke 16 as we look at the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. It's interesting. You're probably familiar with the parable. It's uh, something that often people see as an indictment against riches or against not being generous. Other people sometimes see it as a description of and a warning about hell, a place of eternal punishment and separation, as well as the comfort and peace of heaven. Some people see it as a parable of the drastic reversal that takes place when eternity becomes the leveling field and as the status of the rich and the poor is reversed in the kingdom of God. And yet others see it as instructive when it comes to how those who are materially blessed are supposed to share it with those who are desperately in need so that both of them might have their needs met. Well, all of those and probably a few other legitimate takeaways are a part of this parable of Jesus. So let's dig in. Luke 16 starts in verse 19. Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen who lived each day in luxury. Another translation says, enjoyed himself sumptuously, feasted daily. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. Now it's important to note that the certain rich man was not named, but the poor beggar, Lazarus, was as Luke continued the theme of reversal by giving the forgotten poor man a name and omitting the rich man's name. Verse 21 goes on to say, as Lazarus, the poor man, lay there, longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Now, the Greek indicates that this was the culmination of Lazarus's ministry misery, rather, because in Jewish eyes, dogs were not romanticized as man's best friends, but were actually seen as impure, disgusting scavengers. In other words, even the dogs tormented this poor man by licking his ulcerated sores. Luke wanted the readers to understand that the rich man's continual neglect of Lazarus, who lay at his gate while he himself feasted sumptuously, was the reason that he, the rich man, went to Hades. Verse 22, finally the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead, not to where Abraham's bosom was. In the Old Testament, that can mean the place of the dead or the place where the unrighteous go. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. Now, the parable doesn't see the wicked as being annihilated, but continuing in a terrible, conscious, and irreversible condition after death. Think about that for a moment. It's a parable, yes, but it would have little meaning if it weren't in some way true and accurate. Verse 24 goes on and says, The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. That's that interesting? The merciless now desires mercy, but he won't receive it because the time of grace is over. Now well, there's a lesson. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now here he is being comforted, and you're in anguish. Think of the irony of that. And besides, he goes on to say, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. The rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him, Lazarus, to my father's home, King James says, so that he may testify to my family. Send Lazarus? Uh, He's dead. The rich man is asking Abraham to send someone back from the dead. For I have five brothers, verse 28 goes on to say, and I want him to warn them so that they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. In other words... The scriptures are a sufficient witness for faith and for what God requires of us. Verse 30 goes on to say, the rich man replied, no father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then surely they will repent of their sins and turn to God. Now this indicates that the rich man's fate was not due to his being rich, but his lack of repentance, his lack of turning from his sins. Verse 31 goes on and says, but Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded. They won't be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Now here, of course, Jesus is speaking prophetically of what he would do and how blind and resistant people would be resistant to the gospel. Though often our hard hearts keep us from a willingness to receive God's truth as well. It's been said, miracles will not convince those whose hearts are morally blind and unrepentant. And yet, even those of us who are willing sometimes don't even get it, even if it comes straight from the one who did come back from the dead. Luke tells us of a time when the resurrected Jesus met the disciples on the road to Emmaus. In verse 25 it says, Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. He's probably referring to what Abraham said. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering His glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they understood. So the message in this parable for those of us who do want to know the truth are severalfold. Number one, your riches will mean nothing in eternity. But number two, your poverty will mean nothing in eternity. That's good news too. Your wealth and your possessions are for sharing and caring, not for you alone. A heart of love and generosity are what each of us need to cultivate so that we respond to God's command to love God and to love others. And even beyond that, another lesson that we can learn, to tell the good news to people that we care about while we and they are still able to receive the message from us So many things we can learn from this short parable. It's a parable, but it's full of important spiritual truths. And my prayer is that God will help us to keep those things in mind today, and more importantly, to learn from them and do those things that we are prompted to do. Lord, I thank you that even though you chose to speak through parables, those parables, those stories, those comparisons of a story to spiritual truth are there for us so that we can understand what awaits us so that we can understand what you expect of us, so that we can understand how you mean us to live. God, help us by your spirit to do it each and every day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So keep being like Jesus and keep the faith.